Sharing the Addisons. Well, let me say this as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, welcome to your Friday. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And our brother Richard is over in Studio CC. We will take a lot of calls um, on like today, on a Friday. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like Sherry's like, hey, Richard, can you help me out on Fridays? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, you know, anyways. Um, so we're, we're excited about that. We're going to open the phone lines up and uh, talk to you a little bit earlier than we normally do. Uh, Get your take on some of the topics of discussion this past week. And, um, of course, I'll remind you of those. On Monday, we started out discussing the fact that the strategy is working. The strategy has worked to indoctrinate children and Mm. to change and alter generations, thereby changing and altering the society and the culture in which we live. We looked at numbers that are out um, talking about an increase in how people are identifying, so to speak, and that those numbers are largely driven by Gen Z. So these, this would be the generation after the millennials. Um, mm. And again, I'm giving you a recap here so that when you call in, you can talk about any of those things. You may have been listening earlier in the week and you couldn't get through, but with the phone lines wide open as they will be, um, there was a better chance for us to get to talk to you. Yeah. Then on Tuesday, we interviewed Katie Faust um, of the organization Them Before Us and also author of the book by the same name, uh, Why Children's Rights Come um, First and not adults' desires. Mm. And boy, have we gotten that out of whack. I'm telling you, there's nothing like a conversation like what we had with Katie Faust to kind of recalibrate you and to get you thinking, you know, I I think I've lost the right way of thinking about this. Um, it's amazing how the culture can change so subtly and yet so consistently, and it can change you before you even realize it. Mm-hmm. You begin to adopt things that are just kind of normative, but you don't have a biblical defense for why you're operating that way. Yeah. And, and, you know, sadly, one of the things that I think could fall into that category is uh, our view of adoption. I'll, I'll just go off on a tangent here for a second, because I think so many people are facing the desire for children and the desire for children feels noble. And like that should be the first and foremost reason for adoption rather than the reason being driven by rescuing the child. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. I want a child, so I'll just get one. It's, it's selfish reason, it, really. It is. And and I'm telling you, before Katie Faust mm-hmm. and hearing her conversation on this, I had never thought about this in my life. Yeah. <laughs> never. Yeah. Yeah. Never, Me ever. Neither. And yeah. But it's... but. When you compare it to the history of the church, mm-hmm. it's absolutely something worth exploring yeah. because you have early Christians rescuing children, mm-hmm. not just saying, well, you know, you know, well, if you can't naturally, then you just adopt, you just go get you one. Mm. And, and boy, that's been a flip flop that I think be, because of that flip flop and maybe Christians sort of losing that conviction that we rescued children, brought them into our home. It's a picture of what God did for us, rescued us, adopted us into the family of the beloved. Like I, I think mm-hmm. because we've lost that idea, 
Christians have not only been involved in, but have added to some immoral means by which children are produced. Hmm. Hmm. And we can leave that for another show. But yeah, we might have to have Katie back on to talk about that. I, I think she'd love it. So we had I a mean, great discussion this, about that at home. We really did. We really <laughs> did. Uh, on Wednesday, we talked about Beth Moore. Yes. Beth Moore um, leaving the Southern Baptist denomination. Yes. and uh, But not leaving, you know. Not leaving and, quietly. Not leaving quietly. Been, and when I say yeah. that, I don't mean like, shh, you know what I mean? But yeah. I mean, not leaving, it appears to me, not leaving with the intent to um, cause no further injury. No, because they've been encouraged to leave loud. That That is I very mean, true. I mean, leave loudly or whatever this yeah. whole tag is. Yeah. That's, that's yeah, a thing. It is a thing. It is a thing. <laughs> you pointed that out to me, too, by the way. I was unfamiliar with it prior to that. Um and then on yesterday, and this might be the big one. Oh, look, some people, <laughs> some people are like, I got my finger on the numbers. I was waiting for you to get to what you talked about yesterday. I'm, I'm, I am ready. They're just waiting to hit the zero. <laughs> All right, here we go. Uh, yesterday, religious freedom isn't vanity, it's precious. Religious mm. freedom isn't vanity, it's precious. And it was my response to reading an article where um, Pastor uh, John MacArthur mm-hmm. said that he wouldn't fight for religious freedom because he wouldn't fight for idolatry. So by extension, fighting for other people to practice their religion um, is fighting for idolatry. So yeah. uh, we had a conversation yeah. around that, and uh, you are free to call in and comment on that. Um, of course, people have strong feelings sometimes about their popular teachers, mm-hmm. you know? And oh, so yeah. whenever there are any objections, it, it <laughs> <laughs> sometimes the objections are not even taken into consideration. It's just that there is an objection. Hmm. I... <laughs> I and 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 look, let me say, and and all of that, I can even handle that. I can even handle that. So so anyway, we'll open the phone lines um in just a minute. Let me say this, and well, let me give the number so that our brother Richard has some time to get some calls queued up. Here's the number: eight 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 five eight nine eight eight four zero. And someone only had to put the zero in. Eight 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 five eight nine eight eight four zero. Our brother Richard is on tap to get your calls queued up. We can talk about anything that we've talked about this week. This is our gumbo show, so everything kind of goes into the pot. 888-589-8840. Before we get your calls queued, there's a couple things we want to do. One, a quick mention of this article here, um, just to introduce a fresh story for your Friday, something for you to be thinking about as you go through your weekend. And then we will remind you about the Marriage Family Life Conference coming Mm -hmm. up at the end of June. Um, But first, this for the best social media platform in the whole wide world. <laughs> Mike Lindell has said that he is um, developing a social media platform. Oh, really? Oh, yes. Oh, oh yes. Here okay. is a story Uh-oh. from the Christian Post. A prominent <laughs> Christian businessman and outspoken supporter of former President Donald Trump has announced plans to create an alternative social media site in the wake of censorship that he and other conservatives have faced. Appearing on the Charlie Kirk Show, on March 5th, Mike Lindell, the CEO of MyPillow, discussed the censorship and boycotts that he and his company have faced after he made claims about targeted voter fraud in the 2020 presidential election. Um, now, listen, it's it was swift what happened to our brother Mike. Oh, yeah. It was swift. Yeah. He talked about losing millions in revenue mm-hmm. because of being basically, and this word can sound like it's overused, but I think it's rightly used because it's 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 being done. Right. If you want to call it overused and you've got to call it overdone, but he was canceled. Yeah. Um, 
not only was his personal um, Twitter account shut down, but <laughs> Brother Mike took to his My Pillow account and started tweeting. He's like, "Oh, really? <laughs> Y'all must not know." And so then, then Twitter shut down the My Pillow account. Mm. Twitter said even the pillows won't talk. <laughs> so they shut it all down. And then there were stores that also refused to to carry his pillows, Bed Bath and Beyond, Coles and BJ's cut ties with my pillow. Um, all because Mike Lindell sought the truth and wanted to wanted to bring out the truth mm-hmm. and refused to keep quiet. So uh Mike has had enough. And and look, when you've been as blessed as Mike Lindell, um, and then you've got the kind of audacity that Mike Lindell has, and yeah. I'm so glad that he has this audacity, then what you do is say, oh, oh, you know, fine. You take your platform. <laughs> we'll make one. Yeah. We'll make one. So I'm kind of looking forward to it. Yeah, It'll be I mean, interesting be, to yeah, see what happens. It will be interesting. I'm, you know, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see what he comes up with and how it yeah. be, would be run. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, look, if his social media platform is anything like his pillows or mattress toppers or anything <laughs> like that, it's going to be great. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be great. You know, you a social media platform that you can fluff and you can wash it. Okay. I'm that, sorry, Mike. I just, it does need a, that, though. Social media platforms need that. <clears throat> Flushing or you and can wash it, it yeah. and fluff it and dry it. Yeah. Ten-year money-back <laughs> guarantee on your platforms? Like, I don't I mean... I could go on <laughs> with this. I don't know Mike Lindell personally. I met him one time mm-hmm. with our kids. Our kids were so enamored because it was the My Pillow guy, and they took a picture with him. Gabby was too nervous to do it. So it's a picture <laughs> of Mariah and JD. Mm-hmm. I posted it recently because it came up as a memory. So I posted it recently on our Facebook Nobody page. canceled you? Not yet. Oh, okay. Not yet, but I'm always kind of <laughs> wanting to see what will happen. I, I, when I posted this story, by the way, this story I posted on my Facebook page as well. Um, when I posted this story, I kind of was like, this is going to really get them right here. <laughs> like, let's see what they do, you know. All right, Will the Great, the Marriage Family Life Conference. Yes, Marriage Family Life Conference is happening June 24th through the 26th here in Tupelo, Mississippi. Uh, you can get your uh, tickets now. Register at marriagefamilylife.net, marriagefamilylife.net. You can find a schedule there of the events that will be taking place. You can find a lineup of the speakers. Uh, also, just know that there's a conference within the conference for our children, the Youth Apologetics Track. And uh, there's going to be some great things happening there. Uh, so, man, it's going to be a great event for the family. We want whole families to come uh, the the youth apologetics track will be from ages four uh, to seventeen, yeah. and so uh, make sure that you register because we're in an early bird special rate right now until April first. You can get it at a discounted price. We have hotel information there. Uh, there's discounts for that as well. When you call the the, the numbers of the, uh, the hotels, and and so man, it's just everything everything that you need here in Tupelo, Mississippi at this conference. Uh, we just want to see you there. This is another way that we're looking to equip families, yeah, uh, uh, parents, children, aunties, uncles, grandparents. Come on out. You know, it's yeah. going to be a great time. I'm excited and I'm looking forward to it. Marriagefamilylife.net. Yes. Marriagefamilylife.net. You'll hear more and more about this conference yes. as we get closer. You will hear interviews with mm-hmm. our speakers and presenters. So make sure you stay connected for all of that. One yes. more time. Marriagefamilylife.net. Marriagefamilylife.net. Will the Great on this wonderful Friday. Mm-hmm. Where do we go first? All right, let's go to Keith in Michigan. Hi, Keith. Hi. Hey, I I got to say this is that well, you seem to be the found the the grounding stake 
of a hyper puppy of me kid is going, look at that, look at that, look at that. It's so true. Somebody has to it's do so it. It's so true, Keith. Why not me? <laughs> Man, yeah. But, um, you know, rescuing children, you reminded me of George Mueller, mm. you know, the yes. late 1800s man who yes. rescued yes. a lot of children. Yes. And, but one thing that I wanted to point out is the racism of children. I remember earlier this week, I think it was Monday, you were talking about a lady who wrote that children have to be taught the racism of um, white supremacy or something, and so we have to jump in and we have to start <laughs> training them that mm -hmm. way. But wasn't it earlier that a lot of the CRT people are saying that White fragility, it's built into you. You can't escape from it. It's like, wait a second, you can't have it both ways. <laughs> oh, that's good. That is really, really good. Uh, Man, that's great catch uh, on that, Keith. Yeah, that that is exactly right. Because on the one hand, wow, my, my brain is just processing what you're saying in real time here. And boy, I wish I had thought of it. Keith, that is brilliant. Because on the one hand, they are saying that you, if you are white you mm -hmm. are inescapably as they call it racist right that you can't get out of it so you must perpetually feel this guilt um that is associated with your oppression mm -hmm. right because your skin color means that you are the oppressor but then at the same time they're saying that we've got to get to babies as young as three months old because we got to make sure that we deprogram them that we don't allow this racism to reside in them that would be i guess taught to them by their parents. That's really, really interesting. Yeah, mm. I mean, it shows that it's illogical what they yeah, believe. Yeah, it, it really a, is. Bottom line, yep. it's illogical. It, it doesn't sense. make any sense. Not at no. all. Man, great catch on that, Keith. Well, the great, where do we go next? Well, we might need to go to a break. Oh, well then, <laughs> hi, break. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we might but need right to go after to that, a, we can go to a phone line. We might need to go to a break. A break joins us from Jamaica. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Crazy. All right. Um, no, yeah. See, this is what Keith was, was saying. <laughs> this is what I am. And 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 there you I'll are. Bring you and back. I'm bring and you I'm back. grateful for you. Couldn't Amen. do it without you. Okay. <laughs> um, Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. We will grab a break and we'll get to some more of your calls as we look at the week in review. Remember, you can comment on anything that we've talked about throughout the week. Mm -hmm. You can also bring new things to the conversation. If we don't know about those things, we'll just tell you. Yeah, We're not into yeah. facades and fake yeah, things, you know. All. We'll just say, I don't know. Um, anyways, we'll take a break and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's the Friday edition mm -hmm. um, on American Family Radio. When you hear a little bit of rap music, <laughs> Christian rap bit. music, just a little bit, I think that people would take that like that goes without saying. But I just want to make a <laughs> distinction. Um, then you know you're listening to Aaron the Addison's. Mm -hmm. All right, I'm Miki, <laughs> and I'm Will. That's uh, <laughs> KB featuring Flame with Angels. Hey, hey guys, hey guys, hold the line. Hey, yeah, all right, yeah. yeah. Um, Please hold our, them. Oh, our wow. brother Richard. <laughs> mm. Our brother Richard is over in Studio CC. Yes. We've got some calls queued up. It's a Friday Gumbo show. You are a huge part of that. 
So let's go back to the phone lines. All right, let's go to Lisa in Arkansas. Hi, Lisa. Hi. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes. I need you to know that y'all are an answer to prayer because I have been seeking biblical truth on cultural issues for many years and mm. just been on my knees in prayers, and y'all are just refreshing. So I want to start off by thanking you. Glory to um, God. But talking about the, the rights of a child and I definitely got clarity in some of the things that you were saying, but also caution, because the United Nations, you know, has the international rights of the child, and then they insert themselves as this international government to make decisions when children want to rebel against their parents, say, in religious decisions Mm -hmm. or their upbringing. So it's a little bit scary about what that looks like, too, in court, mm-hmm. if if there's a government body that's just going to step in and say, oh, well, your child wants to do this, and you're a Christian mom, and so um, you can't do that. And we're mm-hmm. seeing that happen all over the world. And I want to say only America and maybe Afghanistan are the two nations that have not signed on to that. Um, I think it's legally binding, but it, it's, it, it's a little bit scary. So mm-hmm. that was just a caution. Wow. Um, yeah, no, that is a great point. Let me speak to that, Lisa, before yeah. you move on too far, because okay. I think that is a great point. So I and I will do a better job of this moving forward. I think it is important to make a distinction um, about what is meant when we say the rights of the children. So one of the things that Katie Faust says that I think is really important is that every child has the right to to their parent or has has the right to parents, but every adult does not have the right to children. Now, why is that distinction as subtle as it may appear to be? Why is it important? Because if if a child is not your child, not your biological child, there is nothing that says you have the right to have that child. You know what I mean? That you have the right just because you want a child, you get to have a child. But I think the point that you're making is an excellent point because there are moves afoot to strip parents of their rights to parent according to their conviction. So we have Mm. to be watchful of that. Thank you for pointing that out. Thank you. Well, and just on a personal note, I have a daughter who plays college uh, volleyball Mm. in Mississippi and the whole Ah. transgender thing. Um, if a biological male goes up against the net with her and she is face to face with a biological male and the ball hits her, it could kill her. Mm-hmm. So some of these, you know, cases where it's just the time and a first or a second place are egregious, but we're talking about physical abuse yeah. to women on some of the contact sports. So yeah. way to go, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. I helped draft legislation here in Arkansas that we're waiting to see if we have Bold leaders stand up to some uh, maybe world retail headquarters that mm-hmm. are in town that have spoken out against it. Um, so, so we'll see what happens. But just thank you so much for your leadership and your um, teaching. Oh, God bless you, Lisa. Thank, you, Lisa. thank you for that. And and let me just say also thank you for letting us know that there's some things going on in Arkansas that we need to pray for um, regarding where you guys live. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. this is the body of Christ. OK. Um, but to Lisa's point, in case we have listeners, <clears throat> excuse me, who may be going, wait, what happened? Um, our governor in the state of Mississippi, Tate Reeves, signed into law yesterday. Um, a measure that, among other things, will prohibit biological males from competing against girls or with girls and against girls um, in women's sports. Yeah. Uh, and, and this is a fantastic thing. You know, we have 
um, talked about this before, even interviewing one of our state senators, Angela Hill, on this. Mm -hmm. Um, This was a big, bold move Mm -hmm. in the state of Mississippi. In fact, Governor Reeves said Governor Reeves said that he had to take this action because of um, the Biden administration's, I mean, aggressive moves toward just really erasing women. Yeah. I mean, basically saying that that girls don't matter. And, you know, you can come into high contact sports with boys and uh, you just have to take what you get, you yeah. know. And so <laughs> anyway, that's that is that is a good, good thing. Yeah. In the state of Mississippi, those things are going to destroy women's sports if it's, if it's allowed to continue on. And so that's that's huge. What happened in Mississippi and I know in other places as well is trying to do the same thing. So that's that's exactly right. That's exactly right. All right. Well, the great. Where do we go next? All right. Let's go to Anthony in Tennessee. Hi, Anthony. Hi. How are you? Good. Hello. Hey, I just want to start out by saying, you know, I'm not an evangelical Christian at all, you know, by any means. But I do. I am kind of drawn to listening to AFR sometimes for some reason. Uh, What I do hear a lot of is, you know, talk about like, you know, Christians losing religious freedom. Um, you know, we're under attack, under attack all the time. Uh, but what it feels like in the world is that it's really, you know, especially the conservative Christians attacking everybody else. And it feels like you're sort of setting yourself up for to have an argument. Once you've become so full of hate and you've excluded so many people that the rest of the world finds you irrelevant, then you're mm. able to say, well, see, we told you. You know, we we told you 10 years ago that that our religious freedom was under attack because, you know, it's it's not as if it sounds like you all feel that as civil rights are expanded, um, religious rights are are withdrawn. And that's just not the case. You know, Uh, Mm, that's good. Hey, Anthony, can we can we can we talk about this a little bit or did you just want to comment and. Okay, great, great, great. So so tell me when you say you're not an evangelical Christian, um, are you a Christian? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I love and follow Jesus. I, okay. I think I was evangelical, you know, growing up. But. Mm, okay. Okay, so you love and follow Jesus. So you have repented of your sin. You have confessed that only in Jesus Christ do you have access to God. Well, no, I think I think that's a falsehood. I, I think that okay. everybody in the world has so, access to God because that's what, that's, what, that's, what, that's what Genesis 1 says. You know, it was good, it was good, it was good. Uh, it's only in Genesis three where we find, you know, a problem. Okay. But go ahead. Okay. I understand. I understand what you're what you're asking about. Okay. So then, I, what I was trying to determine <laughs> is whether or not you are accurately saying that you're not an evangelical Christian, or if you were just kind of like, you know, um, getting rid of the evangelical label because it's kind of hot right now. Like nobody really, you know. Sure, so sure, I sure. just wanted to know if that's what yeah. was. And so based on your answer, um, you're right. You are not an evangelical Christian. But I would also say, based on scripture. Um, you would not be defined as a Christian because Jesus said that he is the way and the truth and the life and that no man comes to the father except through him. So this is one of his claims. These are, this would be one of his I am claims. Now, listen, the only reason I say that is because it's, it's not my intent to preach at you, but I like to make sure that we're all on the same page so that when I start talking, it makes sense to both of us, right? So that we're not, so, so just so you know, when I'm speaking to you in my mind, I will not be defining you as a Christian. It's fine that you would say, no, I'm a Christian. This is what I, but I want you to know that by a biblical definition that I have adopted by reading scripture, I would not define yeah. you as a Christian. Is that, it, does yeah, that make and, sense? Right. And it's just important to say that it, that's, the, that's, that's the reading you've adopted. 
I've adopted okay. a different reading, but but we but we are okay. All right. Oh, Anthony, I really wish we had some <laughs> coffee. This would be such a great conversation. We could just sit across from each other and just talk. Okay. So so right. So uh, I just want to make one more statement. All right. Okay, I just want to say so so the understanding that I have adopted is also consistent with um, nearly two thousand years of orthodoxy. So I just want to say that, and and I'll let you say one more thing because I feel like it's not fair because I have this microphone. But if you want to say one more thing, so what I, what I would say is that anything that goes outside of orthodoxy is heresy. Um, would you agree sure. that we have 2,000 years nearly of history as far as the formation of the church and what it is to be a Christian and what it isn't? Uh, no, I, I don't agree. Like, okay. Like, so like, like inerrancy, for instance, that only came up in 1850 from Alabama. The you word. Know, so, so, okay, so lot, the word. There's a lot of difference about okay. that. Okay, yeah. the word the use of the word, but the adoption of the truth principle that it proclaims is as old as the, as the scriptures circulating themselves. But, but let's not, let's not, because I want to deal with <laughs> yeah. what you, it's a whole other I, topic. but I love it though. Okay. <laughs> so let's, um, let's get back to your objection. So what it sounds like to me is that you're saying that Christians suffering persecution in America is a self-fulfilling prophecy. It sounds like you're saying, am I yeah. right about that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I thought you were going. So what you're saying is that you bring this all upon yourself. And it's interesting that you describe um, you, you use the term or you use the wording, uh, the expansion of civil rights. Now, that's interesting, yeah. because if I immediately go to object to your use of that description of what's happening, then I would be agreeing that what we are talking about are actually civil rights. We're not talking about civil rights. What we are talking about is adding is adding to what has been called civil rights. Now, people's sentiments, thoughts, feelings and emotion. And we are raising those things to the level of protection and describing them as immutable and objective. And they are not. They are subjective and they are ever changing. And so now we are taking those things yeah, and we are but, saying but that's, that's my the, point. OK, go ahead. Like, 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 but that's what you're making my point that that okay, well, you're welcome. understanding of civil <laughs> rights continues to evolve as as a, as a community of people evolve. Right. But they can't. They're not supposed to evolve. But like, the protection. Go ahead. Yes. Go ahead. Will the great. I'm now, so sorry. Now I'm just going to reiterate what you're saying. Yes. That now feelings and ways that people think they should be have come into the area and the other lane of civil rights. When that's not civil rights, is, is that what you're saying, Mickey? That's exactly what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that historically, the protection has been along an objective line. It's the protection has been for something that is immutable, right? So, so am I to understand? No, that's, no, that's wrong. Uh, that's wrong. Okay. I mean, you know, that, 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 that's why there was so much debate. I mean, that, you know, like civil rights for for uh, Native Americans, civil rights for African Americans, those weren't, those weren't objective to, to a, a, a huge number of people until, until it started to be, you know, until no, somebody but, took but, a stand but it and, is objectively, until Bloody Sunday and all that. But, but, but friend, it is objectively true that a person is Native American. It is objectively true that ethnically speaking, I'm black in America. If you want to call that African-American, then go ahead. But those things are objectively true. It is objectively true that I am female. 
What we are now discussing is a person's emotions being raised to the level mm-hmm. of what is objective about me. So, for example, and, and please tell me if you think that I am not getting this part right, not everything else, but this part right. Okay, so are you telling me that it is objectively true, objectively true, that a man who believes himself to be a woman should have the same protections as a woman who is biologically a woman, right? And then let's say the day after we protect the man who believes he's a woman, the next day we protect the man who says, you know, I'm non-binary. I'm not a woman. I don't feel like that today. Are we calling that objective just like female biological makeup is objective? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think it's objective and I think it's scientifically proven to be objective. Hey, Anthony, listen, (laughs) let me, let me say this. I'm really, really enjoying this conversation, but let me tell you what I can't do. I want I'm so glad. I'm so glad (laughs) because we have to be able to talk, right? Like we have to have some civility. Here's what I can't do though. And I think you would agree because I appreciate this conversation because you sound very intelligent. So here's what I can't do. I can't continue talking to, to think that I would convince you to change your conviction, right? Like there's a, there's an exchange of ideas and then there's a point at which you think, okay, maybe we're going to come to some place of agreement. So here's what I can't do. I can't have what I feel like is, um, I feel like it's not a legitimate conversation. If you tell me that a man who believes he's a woman is objective, like a woman who is biologically a woman, because every cell in our body cries out, if you will, excuse the expression that we are female and that then every cell in a man's body cries out that he is male. That is objective. When you go into the hospital, there are medicines and doses that are administered based on your biological makeup for a male. It's this for a female. It's that. Yeah. Yeah, Your biological sex, but not your gender. Ah, okay. And again, and again, (laughs) that is a social construct that is not objective. That is not objective. It is objective. It is objective. No, it's not. It's because science. if in a culture yes, where is. you have a woman, if you have a culture, you have a culture where <laughs> when we talk about gender identities. So in this particular culture, we're speaking of gender. Women wear pink. OK, but then in this particular culture, we're speaking of gender. Women wear yellow. Okay, but you know what? In any culture all around the world, they're all around the world. Biologically speaking, they're going to be women. That is objective. Everything else is subjective. And that's a social construct. And they are not on the same level. But yeah, but there are going to be women, but they're going to be that, that that's their biological sex, not their gender. Gender is psychological while bio, biological sex is physical. But it's not objective. It's that not objective. objective. I mean, it, it's, it's science. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's no, <laughs> yes, it no, is. no, it's not. Yes, it is. And there's science about why, about, there, there, there's so many, there's so much science about why it's so much pre- more prevalent now. Okay. Like, yeah. Like, and like, and like part hormones, of that. Like the hormones we're eating in our food and all of that. Yeah, exactly right. And, and, and part media, of that and, uh, is also indoctrination. <laughs> indoctrination yeah. Hey, listen, Anthony, we got to go. I have enjoyed this conversation. This would be <laughs> the point where I'd get up and say, hey, you want me to get you more coffee? I'm going to go grab some more coffee because, I mean, you know, you need a break every now and then just to collect your thoughts. We're going to have to uh, disagree on this. And, um, boy, have I enjoyed this. You know, thank you for <laughs> indulging me just a little bit here. 
Aaron the Addisons, American Family Radio, will grab the break and we'll be right back. I wish we could have um, in our in our personal lives more conversations um, out in the culture like this. You know what I mean? Where we say, "Okay, let's let's talk about this. Let's unpack this. Let's mm-hmm. be honest with each other when we talk." You know, I, I and think not it get was triggered. so and not be triggered. Like, come <laughs> on, we are adults. You know what I mean? Like, you know, kids throw tantrums, but adults can talk. You know, arguably can talk and um, and and reason together. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really appreciated um, getting Anthony's call. So, Anthony, I just want to say a huge thank you for calling in. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate the class of your your um, your debate there. I really do. Thank you very much for that. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And that's Marcus Rogers with Great God. All right. And our brother Richard is over in Studio CC. He has queued up a bank of calls. Will mm-hmm. the Great, where do we go now? All right. Let's go to Carl in Illinois. Hi, Carl. Hey, well, Mickey, thank you so much for taking my call. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk about the uh, them before us. Um, mm-hmm. And, of course, now I'm drawing a blank on the lady's name. Katie um, Faust? Yes, Katie Faust. And, and her premise that having a gay couple adopt a child is better. And I'm thinking, okay, you've got a couple who are living in outright rebellion to God as a lifestyle, how can that possibly be better for a child to be brought into that situation where they're going to be taught that outright rebellion to God is the norm? And how is that? And, 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 you know, there's a chance that somebody could reach that child for the Lord, but the odds are that that child is going to be raised to adulthood and then be lived eternally in hell because they were raised by adults who were in outright rebellion to God. And I don't see how that can possibly be a good thing and how anybody could ever advocate for that. Yeah, Carl, I, look, I hear your heart on that. Mm-hmm. I understand what you're saying. And, and that's why in the conversation um, when we had Katie on as our guest, I said, you know, we are going to disagree with you on this, but we want to do that respectfully. Now, I will give just a little point of clarification, which I don't think that you are intentionally doing this. But when we use the word better, we are making a comparison between two things. So I think it's important to to make the case that uh, Katie Faust was making um, as best I can in fairness to her. She was saying that it's better than if a child is going to suffer and die in a situation where um, no one else is going to choose that child. Mm-hmm. No one is going to adopt that child. So that was the worst case scenario picture that she was painting. Then she said it would be better um, for that child to be in a environment where that child is going to be loved. Now <laughs> I disagree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's okay. And, and, and I hear it in your voice, Carl. And, and for all of the reasons that we gave, I don't know if all of our listeners got to hear that show, um, but, you know, for the reasons you listed and for the reasons we gave, people can go back and listen to the show. I agree with that. Um, I, I, I just, you know, I think it's one of those things where it would sound way harsh 
and um, way more difficult to implement when you're face to face with someone and you say, so you think this kid should be disregarded in an orphanage rather than be in the household with two men who are claiming to be, you know, married. Um, Yeah, I I would say I would say yes, I, I do. I do think it's better. And and the reason for that is um is because there's there's so much brokenness that um will be perpetuated yeah. by way of having this kid in this type of environment. But yeah, I I hear your heart, Carl, and I I understand what you're saying and I I don't I don't disagree with you. Um and and look, there are other people who who share that same conviction. Amen. So, thank you for your call. Hey, well the great, who's next? All right, let's go to Natalie in Louisiana. Hi Natalie. Hello, Natalie. Natalie, okay. Let's try. Okay, now who's next? (laughs) Let's go to Clara in Georgia. Hi, Clara. Hi. Hello. Hello. (laughs) Hello. Good to have you on. Clara, I found your channel by accident. Okay. I'm going to speak from a foster child's side. Okay. Okay. I was put in the foster home at the age of three and walked out of my last foster home at 17. Hmm. Now, I was in a total of 60 homes. Hmm. Never adopted. And most of the homes that I was put in, they were like in their 60s. Mm-hmm. And the pressure that is on a foster child is bad enough because we get peer pressures in schools mm-hmm. because our parents are not raising us. And being put in a two-mother home or a transvestite home, they don't need the extra pressure from that. Mm. Mm-hmm. Because they will get accused of being gay even when they're not. Mm. And it will confuse a child at a very young age age that's in foster kids that they just got taken away from their parents they're three or four years old they're already confused yeah Mm. Yeah. you want to add extra confusion to it and they're not going to be able to understand what's right and what's wrong Clara, thank you so much for your call. I, mm-hmm. I just I just want to sincerely appreciate you taking the time to not only communicate your experience, but your perspective as a result of that experience. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it. Will the Great, where do we go? All right, let's go to uh, Bill in West Virginia. Hi, Bill. Hi, how you doing? Good. Hello. Uh, I just want to, uh, before I make a uh, comment I call, but I'd like to make a comment about the two callers ago, and I would say, 
you know, I would do some real heavy praying for that man because if he does not believe in Christ and the blood of Christ and the mm-hmm. resurrection of Christ, there's no hope for any of us if that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then the, the the main reason I called today, yesterday we were talking, you were talking about uh, believers and how we recognize that and and whether we should even deal with them. And one of the things I went to in the Bible right away is, give not that which is holy unto dogs nor swines. And and there is, if we know, like for instance, um, well, certain religions, uh, they're dead against us. Mm-hmm. And if we know that, we are not to give them what is holy by, by the Bible. But if they came to us and wanted to know about our Bible, that's when the door is open, and that's when you go in and you try to help them out or try to convert them. And the other statement I want to make about yesterday was, and this is not a, not an argument or picking on you or anything like that, but it's when you when you call the Apostle Paul a terrorist, the Apostle Paul, to me, was probably after Jesus Christ walking this earth was the most educated Jew on this earth. And that's why he was picked to be the apostle to the Gentiles through the age of grace after Christ died. And Paul Paul was only following the instructions of the, of the Pharisees and the leaders of the Jewish religion at that time. That's why when... when if you remember, like, okay, and uh, um, when his, he was blinded on Damascus Road, when when Ananias was sent to him, mm-hmm. Ananias argued with, with Christ, with the ascended Christ, and not argued, but disagreed with him because mm-hmm. he was, but Christ, he, he was taking us to be put to death. And Christ said, Ananias, you do as I say. He is a chosen vessel of mine. Because of his highly educated Jewish background, and when he was and when he was doing what he was doing, he thought he was doing the exact thing that he was supposed to be doing from his leaders of the Jewish religion. That's what I believe. Okay, um, I, I I just. Uh, Felt the word terrorist was a little bit strong for. Yeah, yeah. I look. I understand that, Bill. I get what you're saying. Uh, when you read the scriptures, the Apostle Paul does not clean up his life before Christ. Mm-hmm. He was. He said, "As for zeal persecuting the church, he was on his way to drag Christians from their homes so that they could be executed." He participated in the execution of Stephen. He describes it this way, and he was doing it because he thought it was God's will. Now, listen, I understand that there are people who do things for false religion. Now, for for Paul, for Saul of Tarsus, this was not for a false religion. He did not understand, nor did he believe that the Messiah had come. So I'm going to be very careful in my comparison here, but I just want you to think for a second. To the Christians who were running from house to house, seeking to be protected from this man who was dragging them out, men and women, so that they could be arrested and 
potentially lose their lives. They saw him as a terrorist. Mm -hmm. I want you to understand that. Now, listen, from our perspective, man, praise God for the Apostle Paul. I I don't want my use of the word terrorist to take away from anything. I mean, look, this is part of what the Apostle Paul listed as like, I mean, this is who I was. Mm -hmm. This is what I did. I believe this was something that he agonized over from time to time. You can read it in his letters. Yeah. You can read it in his letters. This is this was not and so this is one of those things where we don't have to make someone look nicer than they were. He was terrorizing the church. Yeah. This is what he was doing. But listen, how great is our God? Sing with me. How <laughs> great is our God? That on his way to carry out his terrorism, God saved him. Hmm. God rescued him from this life of thinking he was doing something to honor God and he was not. This now, this is now what, what Paul has stored up to have come from this and then to have spent his life suffering many things for the name of Jesus Christ. No, I... I think we can understand God's amazing grace and keep it in context. But Paul was not a friend of the church. He was not doing the church any favors. He was unrelenting in his vitriol for those followers of that man. (laughs) But look at what that man did. He met him and he told him, you are persecuting me. Why are you kicking against the goads? Why are you doing that? And then look at what God did through Paul. It is an amazing story. And and listen, we don't need to exaggerate it. And we certainly don't need to understate it because people might get the wrong idea. Paul was who he was, and he said it repeatedly. The Dr. Luke wrote about it. He was persecuting immensely the church. They were cowering in fear. When you Mm -hmm. read in the book of Acts, after his conversion in Acts chapter nine, verse 21, the Bible says, so the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace (laughs) and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy spirit. It multiplied. This Mm -hmm. is after Saul comes to faith in Jesus. And even then the apostles, they, they, they were like, ah, we don't know about it. We know who this guy is. Come on. And Barnabas had to personally <laughs> go and say, hey, no, he's legit. Like he's, you know, like this. He was terrorizing. They lived in horror of him. Yeah. They feared him. They knew that they're like, man, he has orders to carry us away. We know who he is. <laughs> right. That's why he had to have an escort <laughs> to come to the brothers. So it's it's not I'm not I don't mean that to denigrate. I mean that to tell the truth about who he was and look at what look at what Christ did. Yeah. Let's try to squeeze in one more call. But I understand your concern, Bill. Thank you for sharing that. All right. Let's go to Pam in Arkansas. Hi, Pam. Hey, Pam, you got to turn your radio down. Okay. Did we miss Pam? I'm sorry. You no, know, something's going on there. That's 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 my fault. Pam's like, y'all took too long. She's like, I'll take a number two. <laughs> oh, she's placing her order. Listen, I understand, Aunt Bill, your comments are gonna weigh on my heart. I understand the um the feeling that we have when look, man, yeah. Paul is precious to us. You understand mm-hmm. his carrying of the gospel to the Gentiles? I'm not sitting here if he wasn't successful. <laughs> 
right? You're not you're not sitting here if he if he wasn't successful, if he failed, if he didn't do it. Look, man, we are we are eternally, and that's that's not hyperbolic. We are eternally grateful for what the Apostle Paul did. All right, uh, we're out of time until Monday, Lord willing. God bless.